It's good to see you and uh, good to be here and to be with you for a lot of reasons. One, I, I, uh, we have family that don't live too far from this area, and Jerry and I don't live too far from this area, actually. Uh, and every time we drive through here and I see the building, I, I'm just so thankful for what the Lord did many years ago uh, to let uh, Village Baptist Church be a part of what's going on today, and I'm so thankful for that, and and honored that you're here, and 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 all. And then I'm thankful for another reason. The last time I was here, uh, and you, and it's not that I expect you to remember the last time I was here, uh, but the last time I was here, my wife was extremely ill. You may recall that, and uh, Jerry uh, went through uh, brain surgery. Uh, to remove a, a benign tumor uh, from the left side of her brain. Uh, she went through brain bleeds. She went through blood clots. She went through 11 months of heavy, heavy steroids that were just, that, that just devastated her. And, and today she is with me and she is back 100% to what she was prior to all of that. And the only way... <clears throat> the, the absolute only way that happened was because of the grace of God. Just the grace of God in our lives. And early one morning, uh, September a year ago, um, I was outside on our patio and just crying out to the Lord for him to do whatever he needed to do. I, I was watching Jerry suffer, and she had to learn to walk again four different times, not just once, but because of, of brain swelling and all of that kind of thing. Uh, and I just laid my life down and, and cared for her for those months and was honored to do so, absolutely honored to have that privilege of taking care of her for those months. Uh, but early one morning uh, in that September, a year ago, uh, the Lord spoke to me from Psalm 30, verse 2, and it says this, Oh God, I cried out to you for help, and you healed me. And I woke Jerry up. She was still asleep. I woke her up that morning, and, and I said, Look, the Lord has told me that he's going to heal you. He just stamped my heart with that word, and that he's going to heal you. And, and we saw God remove doctors, add doctors, remove medicines, add medicines, give us the right therapy people, the right physicians, the right nurses. We just saw God miraculously begin to turn that whole system around. And, and in the next several weeks, uh, we begin to see her get better. And, and so we rejoice today. Uh, in what God has done, and uh, so <clears throat> thank you, thank you so very much for praying for us and praying for her, and, and uh, we're thankful for that. Well, I want you to open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, in a moment I'm going to read to you from verses 1 to 5, and, and, and this will be a, maybe a little different than, than, uh, than what you might have thought our time was going to be together, and, uh, but I want to... I want to. I want to ask you, what what does it mean to have abundant life? I mean, Jesus said in John ten ten, he said, "I have come that you might have life." Amen. I have come that you might have life, and that obviously is a reference to eternal life. I have come. 
to give you life. But then he, he adds something else. I have come that you might have life and that that life would be abundant. Well, what's that mean? If somebody came to you and said, what's it mean to have abundant life? What would you say? I mean, if you're a disciple of the Lord, you ought to know that. You have that. Or you can have that. And, 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 and you ought to know. What, what does that mean? You ought to be able to tell these young people and children around here, here's, here's what it means to have abundant life. Well, well, well what's it mean? Well, the word abundant, uh, it's an interesting word in the, in the Greek language, and it, it, it carries a couple of meanings. Uh, one of them is a word that means a, a sense beyond a sense beyond. In other words, Jesus said, I came to give you life, and I gave to give you life that is beyond life that others have. I, I, I came to give you life that is beyond the life that people have who don't know Christ. That word abundant can also mean to have an advantage. I love that definition. So Jesus said, I came to give you life, and that the life that I give you would be an advantage over everybody else. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Uh, young couples that are here, just think about this. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life that has an advantage over other young couples. That's kind of cool. Young people. I, I, I came to give you life and to give you a life that is advantageous to others, a life that has an advantage over others. In, in other words, young people, listen, not in a smug, prideful way, but it's possible for you to look at your lost friends and say, i got a bunch of advantages over you. I mean, you go through life the best you can, but I've got an advantage over you. I, I have a, a, a granddaughter, I have ten grandchildren, and uh, I used to call them my perfect grandchildren until they kind of grew up, and then I realized that wasn't true. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've got ten grandchildren, and uh, one of them, Dylan, is, uh, let's see, honey, is Dylan 11? Is that right? She's 11, and Dylan's tall, and she loves basketball. But I'm still taller than Dylan. Now, she's catching, catching up with me quickly, and she loves basketball, and she's good, and she's fast, and, 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 and she's, I mean, she's really cool. But right now, I can still stuff her. Now, why is that? Because I have an advantage. Now, she's growing beyond my advantage, and it won't be long. But right now, I'm enjoying every minute of it, okay? But it won't be long, and she will be beyond my advantage. But see, that's the idea. When Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and to give you a life that is an advantage over others, that's what he's talking about. Now, if, if you read through, and in a moment, we're going to get to these verses, but if you read through Philippians, or in those chapters of Philippians, uh, and, and tried to get a, a theme for Philippians. One thing that I love to do as a pastor and as a, as a believer in the Lord, I love to take particularly the epistles and, and sit down and read those, read a particular epistle like, like Philippians at one time. And then go back and read it again at one time. And go back and read it again at one time. In fact, when I was a pastor, uh, before I ever preached through a particular book, I would read through that book several times so that I almost knew what was coming next as I read through the book. And the reason I did that was as I read through those letters, I tried to come up with some kind of a theme. 
You say, what's, what's the theme of this letter? When, when Paul wrote the people uh, at Philippi, what was the theme of that letter? Why did he write that? And if you were to take that letter and, and try to put it together without the chapter headings and the verse numbers and all that kind of thing, and, and you were just to read through that, what would you say is the theme of, of that letter? And so as I did that, with the book of Philippians, I, I came up with, in fact, if you were to, to look at my Bible, uh, right at the very top of the page, it says in quotes, living the abundant life. So everything in the book of Philippians is about living the abundant life, living a life that has an advantage to everybody else. You, you get into chapter 2, and it tells you some things like, be more interested in the interest of others than your own interest. Care about others more than you care about yourself. Well, that's the abundant life. You, you begin to go through these other chapters, and you, and you, and you get into chapter 3, and he talks about the goal of life. Uh, he, he talks about uh, things that are gained to me, I consider them to be lost for Christ. And, and, and so it talks about the abundant life. You get into uh, to chapter 4 of Philippians. He talks about thinking on excellent things. What does it mean to have a mind that's pure and to think? So, so everything in Philippians has to do with living the abundant life, living a life that's an advantage over everybody else. Well, that's, Jesus said, that's why I came. I came to give you that life, and Philippians is an example of that. Okay, now, when we look at the first five verses of Philippians, we're going to answer the question, how did, how did that begin for Paul? How does the abundant life begin? Now, now, just because you have eternal life, now listen carefully, doesn't necessarily mean you're living the abundant life. Jesus said, I came to give you life. And, and the life that I came to give you can be abundant. The life that I came to give you, church, it, it really can be abundant. It really can be advantageous over everybody else. But, but that's got to start somewhere. And so where does that start? So look with me in the very first verse, Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and, and listen to what Paul has to say, all right? And we're going to walk through it together. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, in other words, including pastors and deacons in Philippi, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, folks, what I want to do is, is go back through this passage of Scripture, and, and I, want to, I want to pull three thoughts out of it that I think uh, really are things that we can do that build an abundant life. And, and I think it's possible when we leave here in a little bit for everybody here who has ears to hear can walk out of here and can say, I can do that. 
I, I, if that's possible. I really can. I can live out those five verses. I really can do that. And, and, and all of a sudden, you begin to see in your family the advantage, in your personal life the advantage, young people, in your social life the advantage. So, so let's walk through together. Here's the first truth that I want you to see, and something you might want to write down. The, the, the first thing I notice is Paul's relationship with the Lord was proper. His relationship with the Lord was proper. Now, 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 folks, let me tell you something. Not every relationship you have is proper, okay? Even, even in marriages. Now, Jerry and I have learned a lot over these last couple of years with her, with her illness. And, and, and I've, <laughs> I've had so many things people say to me, uh, Pastor Ted, it's just been amazing, and I don't say this arrogantly at all. Please understand. Uh, Pastor Ted, it's just been amazing to watch you take care of Jerry. Well, why is that amazing? That's what you do. I mean, that's what you do. That's what I promised. I stood in front of her daddy and my daddy and all of our friends at Northwest Baptist Church almost 53 years ago, and I said to those people, I do. And according to the Scripture, I'm, I'm to take care of her just as the way the Lord takes care of his church. That's proper. That's what you do. And so, man, I'm just telling you, if you don't take care of your wife, your relationship with your wife is not proper. So it's just not proper. Children obey your parents. Christian young people, listen, that's just what you do. I mean, I, why, would, why would people look at Christian young people who have Christian moms and dads and say, oh, it's just amazing how they obey. That's just what you do. I mean, let me ask you something. What do dogs do? They bark. Why do they bark? Well, they're dogs. Why do Christian men take care of their wife? They're Christian men. Why do Christian young people obey their parents? They're Christian young people. Why do their parents teach them to love the Lord in everything they do? Because they're Christian parents. It's simple. All right, now that, that's proper relationship. Now look at this because Paul had the proper relationship with the Lord. He really did. Now look at what he says uh, in, this, in this very first verse. Paul and Timothy, look at this. Bond servants of Christ Jesus. The word is doulos. Over 30 different times in Paul's epistles he uses the word doulos. It, it means a slave. All right, so he says, Paul and Timothy, a slave of Jesus. Notice he doesn't say, Paul, a believer in Jesus. Paul, one who follows Jesus. No, 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 no. Paul, a slave of Jesus. And if you study that word doulos, in fact, John Piper some years ago wrote an entire book just on the word slave, just on the word doulos. You ought to get it and read it. The whole idea behind the word doulos is I have, have surrendered my will to somebody else. That's the idea behind doulos. I have surrendered. I don't even have a will. I don't even have a right. I, I have given my rights. I've given my will. I've given my direction. I've given my ideas. I, I absolutely have surrendered myself, all of my will. I have turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, now beloved, that, that, that's the proper relationship with Jesus. That's where abundant living really begins. That's where this thing begins to work in our lives. We come to a place, and, and, and it really is just something that we, we, we do. It's just something that we, it's an action. I, I, I give 
my will up and I give my will to Jesus, he is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Sovereign. He is my King. He is the one who directs all of my life. He is the one who, of, of whom I have his mind. He is the one whose spirit indwells me. I, I, I give my will to him. Completely to him. Now, now, now beloved, listen. There, there are a lot of people, you start talking about that, and a lot of people will, will talk about lordship like it was something bad like it was a battle and oh I've got to just surrender to the Lord I've just got to surrender you won't you'll never find that attitude in the scripture the attitude of a believer in the scripture is always man I've been looking for a Lord he's it here I, I just fall into your arms Lord Jesus I love you and you love me and 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 you only want the best for me and you have promised you will take everything in my life and turn it to good if I will love you and if I will fit into your purpose for my life and so Lord I'm just telling you Lord Jesus I surrender to you here's my will here's my life and I've just been looking for somebody to follow and you're it see that that's the attitude of a believer in following Jesus as Lord. Okay? So, the first truth in this idea of building an abundant life is Paul's relationship with the Lord was proper. Now, there's a, a, a second truth that I want to give you. Not only was Paul's relationship with the Lord proper, but, but listen... Paul's relationship with people was paramount. It was just first in his life. It was just, it was something important to him. His relationship with people was so critical. Now, I, I want you to notice the, the way he says this. Uh, look with me in, in these first four verses. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus. Now, now look at this. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including overseers and deacons. Now, now, I want you to notice something. At that point, Paul really is not taking the overseers, pastors, and deacons. He's really not taking the pastors and deacons and putting them in some kind of a, a hierarchical arrangement. He, he's just saying, I just want to make sure that I draw the attention of all the leaders. You've got some overseers and you've got some deacons. I just, I just want to make sure that the leaders get this as well. So he says, now I'm writing this to all the saints. And he says, so I want all the believers, everybody in Philippi, to get this. And, and he said, I want to make sure now that the leaders get this. So, so at this point would be probably a pretty good time for staff members and deacons and others who have this close relationship of leadership in the church for their ears to kind of perk up and say, okay, what are you saying, Paul? What do you want to say to me? And then notice he says something else. I think this is so interesting. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we see Paul do that a lot. Grace and peace. Why did he do that? Peter does it as well. I'm, I'm doing a study right now on Wednesday nights at Quail Springs through 1 Peter. And Peter does the same thing. Grace and peace. Why, why is that? Well, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, grace was the way that, that the... Uh, Gentiles greeted one another. Uh, even just to say hello, a couple of Gentile guys meet on the street. Hey, Grace. Grace was how the Gentiles greeted one another. And Christian Gentiles 
That, that, that grace was even more than that. Grace, brother, grace. And the Jews greeted one another, Jewish believers especially, greeted one another with peace. You see what, you see what Paul's doing? He's saying to the church, he's, hey church, to all the saints there, and, and, and he said, just in case I miss some of the leaders, all the leaders, the pastors, the deacons, the overseers, everybody just kind of perk up now. And he says, oh, I just, I just, I just want to get all the Gentiles' uh, attention, so grace to you, and I want, to, I want to get all the Jews' attention, so peace to you. And, 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 and it, just gets, it just gets everybody's attention here. See? Now, I, I, uh, I think there's something here that's pretty interesting. Um, why did Paul feel that way about these folks? In, in fact, it's, it's interesting. If you look at verse 8 in that same chapter, he says, For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. That word long there means I yearn for you. I, I, learn, I yearn for you. Christ knows my heart and I yearn for you with an affection of Christ. In other words, he is saying, I love you like Jesus loves you. Wow, what a statement. Now, now why could he say that? And, and, and what would it take for you and me, and I, I think now of your church... North Point Baptist Church, I think of, of, of this congregation. What would it take for you to be able to honestly say, I love my church just like Jesus loves my church. I, I long for my church. I, this is not just a Sunday deal. No, no, no. I long for the people of God. I long for this church. I yearn for this church. And I, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. And I, I, I love these people just like Jesus loves people. What would it take for that to happen? Well, I, I think we can find that in, in Paul's life. Uh, if you see, Paul, first of all, had a relationship with these folks because, listen now, of the call of God for him to be with these people. Remember back in Acts 16, you can look at it later, when, when, when Paul has a vision and, and he said, I saw a man from Macedonia. And that, that man said, come here and help us. And then Paul says... And we assumed God was calling us to Macedonia. Macedonia is the district of which Philippi is the capital. So, so Paul's got this, this call from God. He, he, he senses there's a call from God. Beloved, let, let me tell you something. I believe that every person who is a member of this church ought to be able to say, God called me to be a part of this church. I, I really don't think, man, we, you know, I, I don't think we ought to be saying, well, you know, I, I came and I loved the music and so I joined. Or I came and I enjoyed the pastor, so I joined. I came and loved the fellowship. Folks, let me tell you something. Fellowship changes, music changes, pastors change, all kinds of things change. God, you need to be able to say, I am here because God called me here. 
I, this is where God called me to serve. This is where God called me to participate. I, God didn't call you to come sit. No, sir, God called you to be a part of this family. See, and so you, that ought to be a part of your heart. If you're going to love this church, you ought to be able to say, boy, I just, I just, I just know God called me. I, now, here's what I think is really interesting. Not only Paul sensed that call, but the relationships that Paul had with these people for him to say, I yearn for you, I long for you. In fact, later he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you because there's nobody I know who will care for you like Timothy. In other words, he says, Timothy will love you just like Jesus too. But not only was that a call from God, but there had been an unusual working through Paul's life into the lives of these people. Let me just, let me just remind you of a few things. Um, put yourself in that congregation at Philippi. And, and, and one morning, you come together as the church, and the pastor, the overseer, looks out at the congregation and says, Folks, we, we, we've got a letter today from Paul. You know, the guy that started our church. We got a letter from the great apostle today. Oh, and I'm going to... I'm going to read this letter to you. Let me tell you some things that would have happened. Um, one of the first things that would have happened that day is there would be a lady in that congregation by the name of Lydia. Remember Lydia? She's one of the first people Paul met. He got to Macedonia and he looked for a place of prayer down by the river and Lydia was there. And the Scripture says that Paul explained the Scripture to them. And then the Scripture says, And the Lord opened Lydia's heart. You think maybe that day when the pastor says, I've got a, I've got a letter from Paul today. You think maybe Lydia elbowed her friend and says, That's my man. That's the guy that told me about Jesus. Don't you remember that day down by the river? God opened my heart. and I gave my life to Christ. I've been walking with him ever since. You think maybe there was a, 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 maybe a younger girl there that when the pastor said, we've got a letter from Paul today, that that younger girl maybe leaned over to her mother or her father or her best friend and said, remember what my life was before I met Paul? Remember, I, I, I was a fortune teller and I worked for the men in the city and I used to follow Paul around and harass him. And one day, he cast all those demons out of me and I gave my life to Christ. Oh, I, I want to hear what Paul has to say. That was a little girl from Philippi. Do you think maybe there was a family sitting maybe close over here? The overseer said, we have a, a letter from Paul today. And maybe that father sitting right there leans over to his wife and says, oh, I remember Paul. Honey, do you remember that day? I, I was a jailer. And I'd beat him and his friend up and threw them in the jail. They were only the prisoners I ever heard singing praises to the Lord. 
And honey, do you, do you remember that, that earthquake came and those doors of that cell opened up and those chains fell off of those guys and I just knew that all the prisoners were gone and, and I was ready to kill myself because that was the penalty of losing prisoners was death and I, I went in and, and, and Paul stopped me and said, no, no, we're all here. Honey, do you remember when I fell before him and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and all your house. The wife, the children, had all come to Christ. You see, one of the reasons that Paul loved the people like he did is he had been a part of the working of God with those people. He'd been a part of being used by God with those people. Friends, let, let me tell you something. If, if you want to really love the people in your church, get outside the church, win some people to Jesus, bring them into this family and disciple them, and I tell you, you will love them as you love nobody else. It's amazing how that happens. But if you just sit around in these chairs and just do what we do we sing and we listen and we give our money and we but we never share the gospel and we never minister to anybody and we never love people to Jesus I, and listen that term love people to Jesus I'm kind of tired of that term we've forgotten what that's all about we're just going to love people to, you know what that means we're just nice to people you can be nice to people all day long and you won't do much for Jesus but you be nice to people and get the privilege to open your mouth and tell them about Jesus you could change their life see so it, it just it, it's, it's, it's the idea that, that we see the work of God and because we see the work of God and we experience the work of God we love people like we've never loved people before see that, that was it with Paul that's why he loved those people in fact, he, he says it, he loved them so much. Look, look at this. He, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. Always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all. That's why he'd, he'd been a part of God's call and he'd been a part of God's work. Now there's a final truth that I want you to see and not only does this abundant life begin with Paul's relationship with the Lord being proper and Paul's relationship with individuals being paramount but listen Paul's relationship with the church body now listen was purposeful his relationship with the church body was purposeful there was a purpose in his relationship with those people now, now I want you to see something Look at verse, verse 4, or verse 3 and 4. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of... Now stop right there just a minute. In view of, that, that little phrase in view of is interesting. It's, it's a purpose clause. Paul, why did you pray for them? Well, because in view of something. 
Why did they bring so much joy to you, Paul? But Well, there was a reason for that. Paul, why did you pray for them like you did? He said, now look at this. In view of, verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day unto now. Now, before I even get into participation of the gospel, from the first day, from the first day of what? From the first day you got saved, from your first day, from the very first day until now, there was something going on in your life. From the very first day that I met you, there was something going on in your life. In fact, he says, I do that because in view of your participation in the gospel. In other words, he says, the reason I feel this way about the body of Christ is because you were participating in the gospel. Now, beloved, what's that mean? To participate in the gospel. The word there in the Greek language is actually the word koinonia. And it, and it means a sharing. It's not just knowing something. It's, it's not just kind of being aware of something. But it's a sharing. It's, it's the idea that you, that you share your life. Uh, fellowship with one another. I had a, a wonderful pastor friend of mine named Dwayne Cudjoe. Dwayne is with the Lord now. Dwayne was a wonderful African-American pastor. We were just dear, dear friends. In fact, when I was at Village, he and I used to exchange pulpits from time to time. And, and in fact, there's a little Baptist church uh, just south of Costco. And Village Baptist Church got that building and gave it to Dwayne. You all were the first church that we planted. And, and then the second church we planted was that building now just south of Costco. And, and, and that building was given to us. And our plan was every time we reached 1,000 in Sunday school, we sent a bunch of folks off to start another church. And we did it twice. It was awesome to do that. But, but Dwayne became the church, the pastor. And Dwayne's with the Lord now, but Dwayne became that pastor. And he came to preach one night at Village, and he said this to our people. He said, let me tell you what fellowship is. He said, fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. That's fellowship. It's two fellows steering that ship. It's two fellows going the same direction. It's the idea that you're sharing life, see? Okay, now, now, now look at what Paul says about these people. He says, I pray for you like I do. I love you like I do. In view of your koinonia in the gospel, in view of the fact that we shared the gospel, and it's, it's not just the idea that he shared the gospel with Lydia. It's not just the idea that he shared the gospel with that young girl who was demon-possessed. It's not just the idea that, that he shared the gospel with the Philippian jailer. No, it's the idea that together... They, they, they took the gospel, the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and they shared that with each other in life. They lived out the gospel together. Where it said love, they loved. Where it said forgive, they forgave. Where it said care, they cared. Where it said move forward, they moved forward. Where it said pray, they prayed. They, they just shared the gospel. See, beloved, we, we've got to understand that, and, and I know that when, when Paul didn't have this like we have it, he had the message of Christ. He had the Old Testament writings of the prophets and the law and all that kind of thing. But the idea was that, that they, they took what they had of the Word of God and they all made it their life. They just lived by it. They, they, just, they just lived in what it said. They participated in it. See, and that, that's why when he would pray, he could say, Oh, God, I, I just thank thankful for these people in Philippi. Oh, God, they bring so much joy to my life. Oh, God, I love them like you love them. Why is that, Paul? Because, Lord, they just, they just participate in the gospel. 
They just take the gospel and make it their life. You know, one of the joys I've had over the years is, is being a part of the people of God in, in some special places. And, and I've seen God do some amazing work. But, but let, me, let me tell you here at, at age 72, and after having been a pastor for 45 years, mingling and working with lots of people, and, and some people who were a, how do I want to say this graciously, uh, they were a pain. They just were a pain. But let, let me tell you something. I don't hardly remember their names. I have to work to think of those people. But you know who just comes up to my mind? Folks, I was participating in the gospel with them. Boy, I can, I can immediately just give you some names. I, I, can, I can immediately say, Doug Lewis. You don't have a clue who Doug Lewis is, but I do. Doug was a close friend of mine that was a vice president of the Perina Company and also an attorney, and I saw him just let God take control of his life. I saw him give up his will to the will of the Lord, and I saw him surrender to missions in Brazil, and I saw him surrender to missions in Guatemala, and I saw him just... And, and I've, I've walked the streets of our neighborhood around South Tulsa Baptist Church with Doug, sharing the gospel with people. Boy, we've participated in the gospel together. Recently, Doug lives in Florida now, and recently I, Doug went through a lot of kidney difficulty had to have a kidney from a donor lost one kidney and had to have a kidney from another donor and boy I just called and prayed with him and we wept together and he's doing great and he's moving forward and I thought why do I care for Doug like that because we participated in the gospel during some of Jerry's darkest days the first phone call I get Doug Lewis and I can give you dozens of names like that men and women who were just so close to me. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I don't even remember half of the folks that I pastored when I was at Village. You say, well, you were a very good pastor. Not, maybe. But I sure do remember the people I shared the gospel with, and I sure do remember the people that participated in the gospel with me. And I remember the people that lived out the gospel and cared enough for Jesus to live him out in the community. And, and, and you see, that's why Paul cared for those people. Because they, they participated in the gospel together. All right, so, so Jesus said, I, I've come that you could have life. And the life that you can have can be abundant. It, it can be an advantage over everybody else. But, you, but you'll have to start somewhere. And, and, and what you'll need to do is have the proper relationship with the Lord. You'll need to have relationships with people that are paramount because you invested yourself in them. And, and, and you'll need to be a part of the purpose of your church to participate in the gospel. And if you're not a part of the purpose of the church, then you're going you're gonna to miss that abundant life, see? So I've come that you could have life and have it abundantly. And the question we ought to ask ourselves 
twofold. Number one, do I have life? Do I know Jesus? Have I given myself to Christ? Do I know him? Have I acknowledged that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus? I had the joy of leading a friend of mine to Christ here a few days ago. And it was just a precious time. He's a new friend, and we'd been talking together a lot. And I loved it. After we'd gone through the gospel, we were having breakfast together, and we'd gone through the gospel. And, and I said to him, I said, what, what kind of questions do you have about that? What, what, do you, what do you want to know about that? He said, I, I don't have any questions. He said, let me, let me tell you what I've learned. He said, I used to say that I'd made a lot of mistakes in my life. But he said, that's not true. I'm a sinner. He said, that's why my life's been messed up. I'm a sinner. And I said, well, what do you need to do about that? He said, I need a Savior. And there at the table, we both prayed together. He invited Christ into his life. Do you know Jesus like that? Do you, have you come to the place? Man, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I give my life to Christ. I repent of my sin, and I trust Him as my Lord and my Savior. I, well, I encourage you to do that today. Don't, don't go another day without that. Say, so, well, I need to have some more answers. Well, you're a sinner, and you need a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And He would save you today if you trust Him. Place your faith. Tell Him, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I, I need to be saved. I want you to come into my life. Save me today. So that's the first question. And then the second question is, if you have life, is it abundant? Do you, do you sense in your marriage you have an advantage over other marriages? Do you sense in your life you have an advantage over the lives of others? Do you, do you, do you sense, young people, in the life that you live, that, that you have an advantage in, in living? You have more answers to life, and you have a better direction in life, and you look at some of your friends, and you just see how crazy they are and the direction they're going, and you're saying, man, I'm not going there. I've got an advantage over that. Or, or, or maybe today... We need to say, God, I want abundant life. I, I really want abundant life. And so I begin by surrendering my will to you. And Lord, in surrendering my will to you, what's going to happen is I'm going to be a part of the work of God. You're going to lead me to help people, encourage people, and share the gospel with people. And, and, and I'm going to be out of this building, and I'm going to be doing the ministry of Jesus all over this community and all over my school and with my family. And I'm, I'm going to be a part of the work of God. And that's going to give me a, an understanding and love for people that's paramount, that's over anything I ever had before. And not only that, but it's going to make me a part of the purpose of this church. Folks, the, the purpose of the church has not changed in these 2,000 years. It has not changed. Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house might be full. That is still the purpose of Jesus for his church. Go and tell the nations about him, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I've taught you. See, there's an assumption in that commission. The assumption is that we've learned something. 
Teach them everything I've taught you. We've learned something. We've learned to walk with him. See, that's our purpose. And, and so as we fulfill that purpose, we begin to live an abundant life. So could we, could we bow our heads together? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In just a moment, the, the band will come and, and I'm, I'm not real sure um, how y'all do your invitation time, but I think there'll be some people here that would receive you and maybe today you need to come and give your life to Christ. And we'd love for you to do that. We'd love for you to do that. I'll take it just be for you to step out from where you are, walk down here to the front. I'm going to be right here, and there'll be some others here. And you can just come up to me or to the one of these others say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. We'll help you with that. How thrilling would that be? I'm giving my life to Jesus. And, and then maybe today you're a believer in Christ, but you find yourself saying, man, I need this abundant life. I really do need this abundant life. And, and so today, I surrender my will to him. That's the beginning. And maybe you just want to come and kneel in some of these chairs or kneel here at the front or however you're comfortable doing that and just say, God, I, I surrender my will to you. Help me to live out your purpose in the church. We're, we're going to pray. Then we're going to stand and sing. And let's respond. Listen, worship is never over until we respond. Sometimes that response is quiet, deep in our heart. Sometimes it's public. But worship is never over until we respond. Let's pray together. Our Father, <coughs> we bow before you and worship you. And Father, I'll be real honest with you, and you and might as well be honest with you. You know it. Lord, I'm not interested in life that's not abundant. Lord, I want my life that you've given me to be abundant. I, I'm, I'm not so sure, Father, that, that, that we can even be worth much to your church if we don't have abundant life. I'm, I'm not so sure that we can accomplish much for you. And so, Lord... I, I just, again, even as I did earlier this morning, I just surrender my will to you. I want to walk an abundant life. May that be true for all of us this morning who know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to stand together. We're going to sing. If you want to respond, there are people here to, re <coughs> excuse me, to receive you. If you want to come and pray, you do that. But let's respond while we sing, all right?